All right, I'm going to go in the intro now. All right, hit it. in episode 12 of hip squared i'm your co-host john beecham and i'm troy kramer this is american fantastics pop culture podcast celebrating everything from the mainstream to the independent weird old and local troy how's it going uh it's been a rough week but it's going pretty well right now because i have a dog that i can pet in front of me hi you do <laughs> yes our roommate's dog jazzy is uh, hanging out yeah and yeah she likes to be under tables and chairs and legs and things like that pretty much near anything that will pet her uh yes. it seems she just like any any hands that are moving she, she will gravitate towards i agree she's very greedy for pets but that's okay i can understand um well this week i'm going to talk about a book that's getting turned into a movie oh really yes oh is it the wait one, one it, of those one of the one <laughs> of the many yes <laughs> Um, it's actually an adaptation that's been in the work for some time. It's uh, Stephen King's The Gunslinger uh, oh. Dark Tower series. Um, so the Dark Tower series is what it's known as a collection of works. And uh, the original novel and uh, novella that started everything off is called The Gunslinger. Okay. And uh, it's getting turned into a movie, and it's coming out this summer. It's been in development hell, it looks like. <laughs> so, uh, so the Gunslinger, it's not, I, I hear the name, and I immediately think, like, western It is. There, It's kind of like a fantasy western in a way. Okay. So imagine a reality mm-hmm. um, where it's kind of like um, a western fantasy, almost like Star Wars is like science fiction and fantasy. Okay. So I'm thinking Westworld. Kind of, but no robots. Okay. Okay. So it's like fantasy and like magic and like okay. Wizards and like um very like traditional kind of like almost like feudal culture, hmm. with like you know hierarchies and like kings and things things like that in the Wild West. Yes. Okay. And so the gunslinger is kind of like a knight. Okay. And uh, this specific gunslinger is a uh, Roland Deschain, and it's actually based on a poem, uh, called "Child Roland to the Dark Tower Came." Okay. Uh, That's I, a sweet name. I don't think I've heard of it. Yeah. Well, I am completely blanking on the writer's name. That's but, fine. <laughs> um, it's this classic work that Stephen King um, based this entire fantasy series off of. And um, it's kind of like the the way he weaves these tales together and all these characters, um, it's kind of like each book has its own specific focus and it keeps getting wider and wider as the books go on. Okay. So the original book, it's kind of like him on this journey and he meets a kid. Mm-hmm. Very like traditional kind of like lone wolf and cub sort of right. partnership. Um, but you slowly get to start to realize that he has kind of an obsession with this dark tower and it's sort of like his holy grail. Okay. So it it kind of permeates like every aspect of his being and you don't know exactly why he's looking for it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's his whole pursuit in his life has kind of like been focused on this, on this dark tower, kind of like a um, white whale sort of situation. Like okay. Captain Ahab, not necessarily like quite as self-destructive as okay. that and not, dra- but he does like drag like a lot of the people that kind of encounter him along with him on this crazy hell ride. I'm okay. looking for it. So the the whole like starting with one guy and then moving off reminds me a lot of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. because that's something I can relate it to and that like you start with one small story and move off to more. Does it run into the same issue that I've heard Game of Thrones does where it just has too much stuff going on no, and can't keep track of it all? It's a lot more focused narrative because whereas Game of Thrones is told from multiple characters' perspectives, mm-hmm. 
the Dark Tower, uh, the the Gunslinger, the original novella, um, is completely from Roland's perspective. Okay. And his partner in that book is this boy named Jake. Okay. But almost, there's a little bit of hints here and there, like things from Jake's perspective, but it's almost completely told from Roland's eyes. Hmm. Um, in the end of that story, he's kind of told a, he's told a fortune about these people he will encounter. Okay. Uh, it's very vague. It's one of them is the lady in the shadows and one is the prisoner. Mm-hmm. And they form the core of the second book. So in the first book, there's one. In the second book, there's three. Oh, okay. That one's called the drawing of the three. Uh, okay, so it just it, it does keep splitting. Yeah, off. it keeps kind of getting wider and wider, but it's still focused on Roland and his quest. So like, okay. it's kind of like he's just pulling these people into his obsession, uh, willingly or unwillingly, and that's when it kind of gets very surreal because there's like doors to what are amount to other dimensions, mm-hmm. and so they just kind of like uh, go into these parallel worlds, and our world is just kind of like another world. Hmm. that these um these these worlds are all connected to okay so wild western yes with parallel worlds and universes exactly uh looking for a dark tower mm-hmm. it's yeah you're trying try and convince me this isn't sci-fi well it, it <laughs> is it's kind of like a blend of like science fiction and fantasy and westerns it's like a whole bunch of genres all pulled together okay there's like all these romantic notions of like the gunslinger and that symbol in american culture Okay, kind so, of like he's like this like very Marlboro man kind of version of masculinity, mm-hmm. like very tough and stoic. But then underneath, of course, he's like very complicated and vulnerable mm-hmm. and sensitive. But on the surface, he has to be like so hard and steeled because his world is so gritty, so dark and dark and angry. Yeah, it's, it's like Samurai Jack. Kind of, yeah. He does have that like yeah. It's like that sort of like action hero like on one single minor pursuit of a quest like that's sort of like willing to sacrifice anything. I can see why this would make a good movie. Yes. So it has that epic arc to it. Okay, so it sounds like are they gonna make are they move like making this into a series of movies or is it just gonna okay, be the one? This is the thing that I am kind of <laughs> cheesed about because oh, no. they're trying to cram this all into one. Oh God, no movie. Uh, but the other part, I was kind of reading like uh, poking around the Wikipedia article mm-hmm. today. And one thing, it sounded like it might be sort of like an extension or like a sequel. Like so, okay. like parts of it like take place, I think, after the books have ended. Uh huh. So I'm, I think what might happen is that it might like condense or like have uh, like, like the first seven books like really fast okay. and just be like, here's the story up to here, oh, and then okay. kind of like launch into its own story. Mm-hmm. So I just don't, I don't want it to run into the same issue of uh, what Aragon Aragon did. Yeah. Do you, Do you remember the Aragon movie? There was an Aragorn. I thought it was The yeah. Hobbits and no. the Lords of the Rings, and there was an Aragorn movie. Yes. No. Be- not. No. Sorry. Sorry. Not Aragorn. Aragon. The. Oh, Aragon. The, okay. Yes. The I understand. Book. Yeah. The Chris Paolini books. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Do you remember what happened with that movie? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know it got panned, right? Or... Well, yeah, it came out, and essentially, I, I never watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what from what I heard, they took, I think, books like one and maybe book two were out, of this four book series. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they made this movie, and they decided to kill off the bad guy in the movie. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of like spoilers for the whole series? Yeah, just... they pretty much crammed all four books into the first movie without knowing what the second two books were, or the last two books were about, or oh, what gosh. would happen in them. <laughs> um, thus, the re- one of the many reasons it was panned as yeah. being so awful. One of the many reasons the original author should get like script approval. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess that's not how Hollywood works. Mm-hmm. It took them forever to come up with those last two, though. Yeah, it sounds like it, it mm-hmm. sounds 
Yeah. Well, luckily, the Dark Tower book series is completely over. Okay. So, um, so they have all the original content to go on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and this, like Stephen King, considers this, I, I believe, his like magnum opus, like this really? entire series. Yeah, like he he really considers this like his like like most like one of his most meaningful, all encompassing works, and kind of like. And, and it was because Stephen King also like uh, over the years like you never knew if he was actually gonna finish it. Mm-hmm. So the original magazine art it was a, a magazine story. The magazine of fantasy and science fiction published it in 1978 as the Gunslinger. Okay. And then it became the Gunslinger like part one of the Dark Tower series in 1982 oh, okay. as a book. Uh, the the second book came out in 87. That's the Drawing of the Three and the Wastelands came out in 1991. And then the last four books got released like I think fairly close together. Oh, okay. So really spread out. That's surprising that it's like he would consider it his his biggest accomplishment, considering that I barely heard of it. And I know Stephen King has written a lot of yeah. stuff. Well, I think part of it, too, is because Stephen King and his uh, works have been adapted into movies so much mm-hmm. that everybody knows about The Shining. Everybody right. knows about Carrie and, and those. But like they never made a Dark Tower movie, probably because the co- plot is so <laughs> insane. Uh-huh. And, and like there's so many books um do you think it's going to translate well to a like a common audience somebody that hasn't read the books i think it's there i think they're probably going to make it to be a very much like an action fantasy like superhero um esque kind of like that big budget sci-fi fantasy okay. action kind of movie so i feel like they the appeal of that because there will be like lots of opportunities for like gunfights mm-hmm. or battling supernatural creatures or like going through interdimensional portals and oh, okay <laughs> so i feel like that is going to be enough to hook people now if they can make a coherent cogent story <laughs> um or like something interesting in, in and about, of itself in about two and a half hours in about two and a half hours i think that will be a big accomplishment um idris elba is playing the gunslinger idris elba. why have i heard of that he name? is the guy who's um well he was in the wire Okay. That's where a lot oh. of people know of him. Okay. Stringer Bell. And then I think he's in that British police show. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but he's in some like BBC show that's really hot right okay. now. Okay. I've definitely heard of the name and I've looked it up. Oh, okay. Is he the, the, like, the person in part, in, char- uh, in charge of the search in The Wire, like in the first season? He's not like the main guy. No, he's not the main bad guy. He's like the main bad guy is like second in command, kind of like his right okay. hand. Okay. And um, but he's just like a really tough like a uh, black British actor. Mm-hmm. And the wire, he has an American accent. Okay. I assume he'll have an American accent. And <laughs> the the dark tower, I guess it would be cool if he didn't, because you never really know like what people sound like from the gunslinger's world. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's whatever imagination, like yeah. whatever they decide to go with. Exactly, yeah. but it's a pretty bold casting choice because in the original novels, like all of the cover art, mm-hmm. uh, Roland was always depicted as like a very classic, like mythic Western well, hero. Of course, in American culture, is white, even though most actual cowboys are Mexican and mm-hmm. black. <laughs> but in, in like the Hollywood of the fifties and sixties, of course, that wasn't the case. So the way they drew. The gunslinger is kind of like Drew on those sort of like mythic Western themes. Okay. And so he was always depicted as a white guy. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that they are kind of making that, like they're making their mark on they're, it and changing the role at least a little bit, like that character. Right. And um, they're taking their liberties, like in in places where they should. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not too much with the plot, so that yeah, it sticks with the plot as much as it can. And and it's because race is a really big part of the books themselves. Mm-hmm. One of the characters is a woman who was hit in the head with a brick when she was a child. Ooh, okay. Gave her a split personality. 
Oh yeah, I guess if it isn't obvious enough, spoilers for the gunslinger. By the oh, way. okay. So yeah. I'm not give like the whole plot or anything, but just like d- describing like characters that you'll eventually discover. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I assume these are all characters that yeah, are early enough on exactly, that we're not ruining too much. Exactly. Um, so, but she is um, she's like a civil rights activist. Okay. But then her alter ego is this like um, mean, kind of like violent, um, like very. I don't want to say like racist, but she hates white people. But of course, okay. it's like she grew up in the '60s and the and like back then, and she was like persecuted because her oh. other alter ego was like uh, like a civil rights kind of like champion and activist. And so it's kind of like it makes sense that she would be imprinted that way, I guess. Uh-huh. So it's like I don't want to call it racism, but it's like yeah, she definitely. So it's like race is a part of the book. So like making Idris Elba this character, it's like you're drawing on kind of like themes from the book anyway. Mm-hmm. There's so. a bunch of different areas you can draw on. And you just described somebody that grew up in the 60s in a Western. So I can tell well, already this story is weird. Because, yeah, <laughs> because um, like the like Gunslinger's world is like a fantasy world. Right. It's connected to our world, but it's uh-huh. like connected to different time periods too. Oh, okay. So some characters are from the 80s, which then was like modern. And then mm-hmm. some characters are from like a long time ago time. Okay. Wow, that sounds bizarre and i'm excited to see how the mainstream audience reacts and i'm excited to see how the movie turns out overall so uh did they just announce that they're gonna make a movie or uh, no well it's it? they, so it was supposed to come out in february and then they announced that it was getting pushed back to july okay um well, it's been in development hell ron howard had it for a while okay and then um yeah so but it's finally coming out it's not one of those things that it's like we've been working on it for the last yeah. 17 years exactly yeah it's just been in like so many different studios hands or like, okay. directors hands but um i do kind of want to like wrap things up a little bit mm-hmm. um as far as the gunslinger if you guys want to check out the books they're all really really good um, if you want to listen to it, there's a version that's read by Frank Muller. Okay. And he actually does a, a wonderful performance, um, very emotive with the characters, and he it's it, and they're all read by him. So it's kind of like becomes oh, just like okay, yeah. yeah. So that's that like leads some kind of continuity to it. So you know if you're tired of podcasts and music or want to listen to something in the car, like you could go through many hours of the audio version mm-hmm. of the Gunslinger, and it's excellent. Audiobooks are always a great way to listen yeah. to things when you got when you have time. So. Uh, that's, uh, that's your topic. Yes. So my topic, um, so I'm talking about a game and I, we, before you run away, because we <laughs> always talk about a game in this podcast, I'm not actually going to talk about how the game plays that much. Okay. Um, I've been playing a brand new game that just came out, uh, about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have heard of it. It's for a new, uh, brand new system. It's called Breath of the Wild. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is uh, the, new, the new, Legend, new Zelda game. The yes, new Legend of Zelda game. Um, and I don't want to talk about uh, how the game plays at all. Okay. What I want to talk about is how well they have set up the atmosphere and um, brought you into this world. So it's a very immersive. It's a very immersive game, and yeah. it is beautiful. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> I've had so many times playing this game. So I'll I'll explain it um, really quick. Uh, Legend of Zelda is a classic Nintendo series. Uh, they've made games from the very beginning. They've yeah. been coming out with games for the last like twenty two yeah, years. And it's been a flagship for every system to have a really good Zelda game. Exactly. Um, so the most recent uh, Zelda game is called uh, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, and it was supposed to be this whole. Uh, we didn't know a whole lot about it. It was supposed to be this whole open world experience. Everyone was really nervous because it was a completely different track from what Legend of Zelda does. Um, and it just came out about two weeks ago for the new system that released called the Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have heard of it. Um, but the game does something 
um, better than any other Legend of Zelda game, and that is it puts you in this world, and as opposed to walking you through, like, um, all right, you're going to do this mission, you're going to do this mission, and you can jump off to these things over here and over here, but really you're going to come back to the main yeah. plot main plot of this story. Yeah, Zelda games have always kind of been on rails, at least as far as, like, you find that, and then you unlock this area because now you have this new item, and you might be able to do, yeah, like little side adventures here and there, but it was very, like, focused. Yeah, this game does something different in that it opens it up, but by doing that, it run it runs the risk of not walking you by, like, these... Um, games will often do these things where they walk you by, like, quintessential spots or, like, really beautiful spots and try and, like, show, here's how great this game mm-hmm. is and give you, like, a shot of the screen that's, like... Oh yeah. wow, the the landscapes here. Yeah, a lot of times it's like a title shot. Like so mm-hmm. they'll pan up and then and then all of a sudden like the title will come on screen and that's like your panorama gorgeous view. The new Zelda game does this um without forcing you to look at it. Mm-hmm. I think is the best way to describe it. It has been amazing. Uh there was a one time where I was walking up uh, a hillside to get to this little house on the side. And I was walking up the hillside. It was kind of slow. It was on the, hor- the horse. wasn't really paying attention. And I just glanced over to the side and had one of the most beautiful visuals I've seen in a video yeah. game in a long time. I think, I think video games are getting really good at creating these like gorgeous natural vistas. Um, mm-hmm. I remember like a uh, Skyrim was, oh, yeah. was the first game where I felt like it had like really good um came out for 316 PC where it's like HD level graphics. Mm-hmm. So the graphics were kind of like approaching almost photorealism, right. especially if you had the mods on mm-hmm. your PC that made it look super sharp. Mm-hmm. So what Skyrim and those kind of games do is that they give you very realistic views. Yeah. Uh Legend of Zelda uses a style called cell shaded, which mm-hmm. means everything's not nearly as realistic. But it's very bright. It pops and it's very smooth, yeah. and it looks very nice. It's it's it looks a lot like animated art. So mm-hmm. when you think of like classic cartoons or like it, it I know um, Breath of the Wild is kind of like stylized its own way. Mm-hmm. Wind Waker was like this too, which a lot mm-hmm. of fans had a big backlash to, but I thought it looked really gorgeous as well. But they use the mm-hmm. cell shading to make uh, Link look like a cartoon, and his world kind of look like this cartoonish world right. that you're inhabiting. Right. But so, so, uh, and Wind Waker like has big, like a big head, small body yeah. kind of thing, huge eyes, and Wind Waker. And this, they brought it back more to realism, but it's still cel shaded, cartoony. Um, so you get that going too. But the... yeah, it looks like a really cool anime, but not mm-hmm. as like ridiculous and over the top. It's still sort of like the traditional fantasy kind of setting that Legend right. of Zelda's always had. Right. You don't have like the you don't have the huge eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you but I mean it, it retains a lot of the things that Zelda game Legend of Zelda games are known for. Um, a lot of great characters. Um, Link is your action hero. A lot of people were actually really nervous early on um, because. There were previews of like Link having a voice and talking, and Zelda like a yeah, lot traditionally, of. Traditionally, those games have never had voice acting. Like, right, and Link is usually even silent, mm-hmm. so other characters might talk, but Link, you just see people reacting to him. Yes, so it's like the idea is that Link has said something. You don't really know what he said. Uh, in this game, you get to choose what he says. So there's that. Okay. A little bit more of immersion. Um, they pulled back from letting you choose the name so that like it is always linked so it's much more natural when people are talking to him mm-hmm. that you like it, they probably didn't want a... people like giving screenshots because that was always really funny when people would put in y- yes like, it, words was. In for, yeah. it was hilarious <laughs> yeah you would, you would get uh some ridiculous names uh those those in pokemon games you get them yeah. you get them both there's always a lot of really funny like people that think they're really clever and <laughs> there'll be some turn of phrase where insert word here yeah and that'll be uh, a <laughs> character's name 
Yeah, it's like they played through the game. And it's like, oh wait, I need somebody. So I need to run through the whole game up to this point with this weird name. Yeah, so Nintendo is definitely avoiding this whole like screenshot mm-hmm. <laughs> grabbing. That, I mean, they. So in the past, that probably was good for them because it got them advertisement. They have not needed this. So no. this game and like the the one line. thing. I, I was struck by uh, Breath of the Wild visually as well, and it's actually really like I've I've kind of been paying a little bit of attention to mm-hmm. the Switch just because I mean I know I can't afford it right now, but mm-hmm. I'm excited that it's coming out. Like I love a Nintendo, and kind of like I feel like they're always usually on the bleeding edge of mm-hmm. video games, and they don't get stuck in a rut. Like they're always kind of trying to switch things up. Some things go off great, some See things what you kind did of there. like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some things kind of um, blow up in their faces, like mm-hmm. Virtual Boy. But mm-hmm. it's cool that that they're always kind of pushing those limits and. And uh, Breath of the Wild is the one that, like, the only one that really impressed me a lot. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that was was really funny is that somebody posted a screenshot on Reddit of Zelda and her yoga pants. <laughs> so apparently Zelda wears yoga pants in this game, and it's very shapely. Oh, jeez. Which is, uh, like, when you think of the pixelated <laughs> of yeah. Princess Zelda from, like, the Ape Nintendo, and, like, now it's, like... Mm-hmm. And it's just funny to see, like, that game influence of, like, games becoming, like, a little bit more grown up and yeah like, adult yeah like not not like overtly crude but like just a little more like yeah like sexualized or like adult then mm-hmm. yeah it's funny that <laughs> that, that is even seeping into nintendo's beloved yeah, franchises I have, now i have not run into that yet so <laughs> you I, haven't gotten to grown up zelda yet? no I have, I have not been able to play it that much at all um mm. i've just been i've been incredibly busy lately I haven't gotten to play it all week there was one um point in the game that like really stunned me it was uh, like right after one of the first like re- levels, I think you've climbed up a tower and mm-hmm. you've done something, but or maybe I'd fought a big monster. I don't know something like big and important had happened. I just finished the fight and it had the music like exciting music, mm-hmm. and then the screen started to go dark. And I was like, oh, I know what this means because I've played other video games before. This means I'm about to get to a boss, mm-hmm. and then nothing happened. It just started getting lighter again. That's 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 weird. Why did the screen do that? And I took a second and I realized. Oh, it's because a cloud passed overhead. <laughs> That's how, like, that was the yeah, how the immersive it is. is yeah, That's I, was, neat. I was just like, oh, I didn't even consider. It's like, oh, it might, it might, something might not That's actually really be cool. happening. It's just... That's something that seems like it could have happened in video games a long time ago. Mm-hmm. That I'm surprised that that hasn't been. Yeah, no one's picked it up. Because it doesn't like, seem like, like it would be like there are any technological. Uh, mm-hmm. limit that would prevent that from happening. I remember when I was a kid, the first game that let you. The first role-playing game that was switched from day to night was Dragon mm-hmm. Warrior 3. Oh. And I thought that was really cool because in the original games, you would just walk for, like, across entire continents. <laughs> but it's always daytime. It just always was. Mm-hmm. But in this game, you would walk, and eventually it would turn to dark, and then mm-hmm. the enemies would get a little harder. Mm-hmm. But it was also cool because if you went into towns, uh, like, people would say different things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's neat when games kind of, like, make their environment change mm-hmm. the way ours environment changes like yeah and it's cool to um like seasons would can be cool in games yeah like weather seasons, can be cool seasons are a lot harder to do um yeah because you have to do the graphics for almost anything like yeah. all the trees all the grass all the yeah well that and it takes so long before you start to notice seasons mm-hmm. uh like before you start to see season changes uh the games that mo- that really care about season changes are ones where it's like mechanically relevant yeah because like it's just... sports games sometimes like oh it's mm-hmm. snowy today <laughs> yep yep sports games uh there's one game that came out not long ago called stardew valley yeah that's uh, the one that's kind of like um sailor moon yes yeah <laughs> Sailor Moon? Harvest no, Moon. Harvest Moon. <laughs> if it was like Sailor Moon, that would be a cool game. <laughs> Sailor Moon meets Harvest Moon. <laughs> Crossovers. DMTMTM. <laughs> yeah. So, no, the uh, but the new game, I've been playing it when I can. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Is the music, like, kind of symphonic? Yeah. Music's the... 
I haven't noticed the music that much, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good thing. Does it have the main Zelda theme in the beginning? I think it's no. I think it's something uh, new, something for this game specifically. Okay. Uh, you might be able to notice like Zelda undertones, or it might be in some of the music later yeah. in the game. Uh, but it's very, it's very nice, like orchestrated, well orchestrated music. I'm sure the same people have been working on it the whole time. But it's not um, blaringly obvious, and it's not something that's like drawing me out of what's mm-hmm. going on in the game. That's cool. Um, do you, do you get the because one of the things I like the Zelda series has done is recycled sounds from the old games. So like, yep. does it have the whole like da 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 like when you discover yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. It's or, you get the you have the treasure chest yes. sounds, like, uh, and I can't even remember. They like, do those with the Mario games too, like mm-hmm. like, like the coin sound and like well, other sounds. Yeah, yeah, they're hitting nostalgia, which is I mean, it's what you do when you have an IP that's been around for twenty years. Yeah, exactly. You use the same uh, you use the same sounds, so people can go, oh, I remember back when I was a kid and I played mm-hmm. this game, and ah, oh, those were the good good old days. So they, they yeah they brought those back. Um, a lot of the um, classic Legend of Zelda things are there, uh, but in new ways. So mm. do you have a little fairy buddy? You don't have a fairy buddy. You don't have to worry about that thing in your mm. ear the whole game. Okay. <laughs> um, you don't have to worry about Navi yelling at you. But they'll do. So one of the things that uh, I thought was really interesting was in past games how it would work is that you would go to a dungeon and. You would eventually find, like, you would run around and see all these things you can't get around. And then you find an item, and it's like, oh, I use this item to get through this, and this item to get through this. That might be the case in this game. I don't think it is as much. Because at one point, I was running around, I was fighting some monsters, and uh, monsters will drop loot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point, I picked up the boomerang. Whoa. <laughs> and I was just like, huh, that's that's weird. That's not where yeah, I was expecting it. It's usually an item that you would find in a dungeon somewhere that you would need to get past a certain obstacle. Right. So it's like it's a lot more immersive that, you know, it's 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 immersive, but it's also more organic that these things are just like, you know, out out there yeah. and that you're just it picking them up. It sounds kind of like they're trying to fold the open world RPG mm-hmm. into the Legend of Zelda series, mm-hmm. which I think is a neat approach because that's, it seems like the Fallout series and um, the Skyrim, Skyrim and Oblivion and all those um, Elder Scrolls games, people, especially Western audiences, I mm-hmm. think really like having that freedom uh, and kind of being able to go wherever you want to. And they also really like the progress. Like yeah. Westerners like us really like the feeling of like, oh man, I've just done this thing mm-hmm. and now I'm better. And yeah. now I've improved in some some and, noticeable way. And is it very quest driven? Like, do you have like a, like a scroll, like go here and go to this place? On oh map yeah. And you, find, okay. You've got your side quests mm-hmm. um, that you'll get from random people. So, uh, but that's also something that's been in Legend of Zelda yeah. for a long time. I feel like Ocarina of Time was, was a nice balance between mm-hmm. like, that was the first one. I mean, Zelda games, the overworld has always been kind of open. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that was really different from games. Cause a lot of games when in the eighties, when the original Legends of Zelda were released were just side scrollers. Right. Or you'd have a game like Pac-Man where it's just on one grid. Mm-hmm. And Zelda was one of the first ones that really just let you like explore an entire realm. Right. And so even though there was like level one, level two, and you had to get the quest to go from this level to that level you could still wonder as far as you could get to and die Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. discover random things so it's neat that there's like it seems like there's always kind of been that balance of a main quest and something kind of driving you Mm -hmm. but also this huge world that you can kind of explore and it's kind of like the constraints of whatever system it's on is how big that world is yeah and this this game has some crazy crazy uh boundaries it's much bigger than skyrim that's cool much bigger the map is huge i've it takes 
I think somebody figured it out. It takes 30 to 40 minutes to walk across the entire map. If Jeez. you just like walked across. So <laughs> um, anyways, the game's the game's great. But more importantly, what I wanted to talk about was the atmosphere is fantastic. It is so bright and so colorful and it'll put you in such a relaxing place. Sounds wonderful. It's wonderful. It sounds like a place that we all need to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I, I'm ready to be there, man. Once I yeah. once I finish grading. Oh, yeah. So That's, excited. Yeah. Troy is at the very end of his teaching at. Where are you at? You're at Spalding? Uh, Sullivan. Sullivan. Yes. Just get his cool messed up. Okay. I, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> the that's two fine. S no, no private colleges from Louisville. Mm-hmm. Man. Alrighty. So how... And then you can get into Hyrule and just live there for a while. I, I could I could veg out in Hyrule for a good like week. Easy easy right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's been it's been a long week for me. But... When I was a kid, I used to uh, imagine when the water drained out of the bathtub mm-hmm. that I would wake up in like a fantasy world from like the novels I was reading. Never happened. Never happened. But it was a cool fantasy. <laughs> like, I love the I love the optimism. Like I wonder if I could just be born in this. I was like I was looking for one of those doors, like in the Dark Tower, that goes mm-hmm. from world to world. But door, oh, door at the back of the closet and yeah, and Narnia. Alas, that door is my imagination. <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Hip Square. I do want to thank danosongs.com for our intro and outro music if you need some royalty free music for your project that's an excellent resource to go to thanks dana and if you'd like to support the podcast uh best way to do that is to find american fantastic on patreon uh help keep your earbuds warm and cozy with Mm. our love and gratitude and like the science says anything helps um you guys can also tell a friend about the podcast share it on facebook let people know about it um and check out american fantastic and let people know um, all about us as well. If you want to listen to all of our old shows, they're all on SoundCloud. Um, you can search for my name, John Beecham. You can also find all the archived episodes on the audio and podcast section of AmericanFantastic.com. It's also where you can listen to old episodes of the American Fantastic Radio Hour uh, that were recorded at Art FM. And there's all kinds of other cool stuff on American Fantastic you guys can check out. There is uh, written words, stories mm-hmm. by me and other writers. There's cool photos, art. Um, all kinds of beautiful and weird things to put into your brain. Mm. And I um, also want to give a big thanks to Mayplex Monk for running the boards today. Thanks, Mayplex. You guys can check out uh, mayplexmonk.com. You can also check out the creative community on Facebook. And uh, Troy, is there anything else that you would like to say? Oh, I can't wait to get home. Can't wait to get home. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Toodles. Toodles. <laughs>